Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, September 21st, 2017. And this is the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting of a Vision for You Big Book Study. Today we are reading from the Big Book and we are on page 102, reading paragraphs 1 and 2 for our focus and discussion of experience. It starts with, why sit with long face in places and ends with God will keep you unharmed. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Matt M., the 12 Traditions, Jody E.Q., and readers of the text today in support, Ashley P., Robin B., and Marie J. The reference numbers. Well, the reference number for this 10 a.m. meeting yesterday, which was Wednesday, September 20th, 2017, 10 a.m., is 10452, 10,452. And for this morning's 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting, that share ID is 10460. That's 10,460. The OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Matt M. to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Melanie, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M., Compulsive Overeater from New Jersey. Here are the 12 steps that adapted for Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, we admit we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so and injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought the prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do service. Thank you, Matt M. I will now ask Jody E.Q. to please read the 12 traditions. 
Good morning. Thank you, Melanie, for your service. This is Jody EQ, gratefully recovered in Salinas, California today. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants, they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Jody EQ. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 102, reading paragraphs 1 and 2, which begin with why sit with long face, why sit with a long face in places and ends with God will keep you unharmed. And I'll ask Ashley P. to begin our reading and study of discussion this morning. Good morning, Ashley. Uh, Good morning, Melanie. Can I be heard? Yes. Uh, Hi, this is Ashley P. recovered in Northern California. Why sit with a long face in places where there is drinking, sighing about the good old days? If it is a happy occasion, try to increase the pleasure of those there. 
If a business occasion, go and attend to your business enthusiastically. If you are with a person who wants to eat in a bar, by all means, go along. Let your friends know they are not to change their habits on your account. At a proper time and place, explain to all your friends why alcohol disagrees with you. If you do this thoroughly, few people will ask you to drink. While you were drinking, you were with while you were drinking, you were withdrawing from life little by little. Now you are getting back into the social life of the world. Don't start to withdraw again just because your friends drink liquor. Your job now is to be at the place where you may be of maximum helpfulness to others, so never hesitate to go anywhere if you can be helpful. You should not hesitate to visit the most sordid spot on earth on such an errand. Keep on the firing line of life with these motives, and God will keep you unharmed. Um, well, first of all, I just I want to say thank you for the opportunity to to do service today and um, having come back from the uh, the convention, it's just really nice to to hear people on the line and and to go, oh, I I know what that person looks like. That was uh, such a blessing, um, and it's also such a blessing to be able to to do something like that. Um, in the on the line where it says, while you were drinking, you were drawing from life little by little. That was very very true for me. Um, the the depths of isolation that happens when I eat is is really 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 scary. Um, so to be able to have a community around me is, it's such an incredible gift and, um, to be able to travel, um, and to be confronted with many of, of the, of the, um, triggers of, of both my binging and, and restricting and to do that in abstinence is, is a miracle of this program, um, you know, going through airports and sending. I, I I live in Northern California, so it was it was a long day of of travel. Um, but because I have worked the steps, um, I'm I'm able to get through those airports and and to figure out my food. And so that's what these paragraphs are are talking about. It's talking about neutrality um, around the food and um, and and service. So um, I don't. I didn't come in to a way to be of service. I came in to to stop binging. I didn't want to binge anymore. And um, everybody told me, you know, you'll be of service to this person, you'll be of service to that person. And I thought, great, thank you. I don't really care. I would just like to stop binging. Um, and what I found a, a year and uh, a year and three months later is that. Um, I I have gained neutrality around the food and I'm able to go to all of these places that would have been way too triggering before and do all of these things that I I literally just could not do before um, because I'm of service to other people and and then not binging and not restricting and not over-exercising the neutrality that I've gotten around my food and, and behaviors is because I am of service. It's like this, um, it's this amazing bonus, but it, it is the bonus of this program. Um, so I'm, I'm saying that to a sponsor yesterday and I was profoundly like, I was floored by the fact that finally that's real. Um, that that, that uh, it, it, being of service is, is the first thing that's important. Um, 
And I also really like this last sentence here. Uh, keep on the firing line of life with these motives and God will keep you unharmed. Um, it sort of makes me think of like a, a force field type of thing that uh, working the steps and um, yeah, that, that working the steps out of this book kind of puts up this like protective force field so that um, I can do things like bake for the, the families that I work for or um, go to gyms or go to yoga studios and do all of these things that, you know, when I was in eating disorder treatment, nobody would have let me do because they were far too triggering and I was going to relapse, right? Um, unable to do these things with, you know, like I can see all, all of the triggers and I can see all of the things that, that used to take me down before, but it just doesn't, doesn't appeal to me. And I don't think about doing those, or I think about doing those behaviors, but I don't engage in them because, because I've worked the steps and, um, instead I, I make phone calls and I write 10 steps and, uh, I, I listen to meetings and I, I also go to face-to-face -face meetings. Um, so if you're saying to yourself, this is too much, uh, you know, like this will never happen. Uh, these promises are, are beyond what's possible. Um, this program is, is full of miracles, and I am absolutely proof of that. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ashley P. Who would like to comment on paragraphs one and two on page 102 of the big book this morning? Gina R. Marie J. Carol M. Mary H. Ali M. Chrissy G. Chrissy G. Okay, let me see what I have here. I have a few here, and I might have missed some, of course, you know. I have Gina R. I have Millie. I have Carolyn. I have Mary H. I have Jody EQ. But there was somebody just before Jody that said their name, and I missed that. Chrissy G. And did I hear... Kathy, that's what I have today, though. Christina G. Marie J. I've got Marie J. We'll add that in there. Okay, great. Let's go this go over this again, and everybody else, if you would star one. This will be our first lineup. Gina R., Millie, Carolyn, Mary H., Marie J., Jody E.Q., Chrissy G., and if I heard of Kathy, then that person will go last. Hi, Gina. Good morning, Mel. Thank you so much for your continued faith-filled service. This is Gina R., gratefully recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body in Green Valley, Arizona. Um, I am new in this community, and um, the neighborhood I moved into, um, the ladies have luncheons. It's, there's ladies' luncheons. It's kind of old-fashioned, um, but they're very welcoming and um, we had one this week, and it was at a, a restaurant that's close by. And um, when I got there, there were about, I think, 35 or 40 of us. And the tables were decorated so cute with uh, these little owls on the table, and then they were just plastered with little mini candy bars in the middle. And it was such an amazing feeling and knowing that <clears throat> I did not have to, to have those. 
And I was a little curious to see what would happen once we actually sat down at the table. And um, the first thing I noticed was I wasn't severely watching everybody to see who was going to eat the candy. I was actually engaged in conversation. And so that's what um, I'm thinking about where it says, you know, this was a pleasure occasion, and I was trying to increase the pleasure of those there, just getting to know people. At some point in the luncheon, um, one of the ladies who was having some of this candy was making a big deal about, I'm having dessert first, and don't you guys want to do the same? She was inviting everybody to join in. And I did recall when I would do that, not because I was trying to be nice to them, but because I was trying to manipulate everybody to behave like I was so I wouldn't feel guilty about what I was doing. Um, and everybody went around, and some of them did and some of them didn't. And somebody did ask me, well, why aren't you going to have one? And I was able to just simply say, <clears throat> it disagrees with me. I'm allergic to sugar. It just disagrees with me. And I had forgotten that that's actually the wording in this paragraph. It says, at a proper time and place, explain to all your friends why alcohol disagrees with you. I'm allergic to it. It's as simple as that. And I'm thankful that we actually do live in a time now where I don't have to go into further explanation. People understand there are different allergies out there. And if somebody wants to know more later, they can ask me. And I can just be a living example and be that attractive um, representation of the big book. And for that, I am forever grateful. Thank you so much for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Gina R. Milla, you're next. Millie, star one. This, this is Millie, and I did not chime in because I'm sick. I, I don't know how you got my name, but this is Millie D. I don't know if there's another Millie out there. I can't talk. I'm sick. Okay, thank you. Sorry about so that. Thank Hope you. Get better. No, pro Carolyn, no problem. Carolyn, thank do you, you want to go next? Yeah. Carolyn, do you want to go next? Yeah, this is Carolyn S. Recovered in New York. Um, I, I like these two paragraphs, um, but what it occurred to me is you let your friends know they're enough to change uh, their habits on your part or your account at a proper time and place, explain to all your friends why alcohol disagrees with you. If you do this thoroughly, few people will ask you to drink. Um, I have found this is not true for me, that um, even though I explain to people that, you know, I don't eat sugar, it seems like there's always somebody who's trying to push it, you know, like, oh, they don't realize how serious it is. It just seems like, oh, you're on a diet, you know, have a little, it won't hurt you, you're at a normal weight. You know, um, people just don't get it. I mean, if I said I was alcoholic, I can't imagine anyone trying to say, have a little bourbon, you know. Um, but when it comes to, to food, people see it as harmless. It's such a big part of our culture. And, um, you know, you know, the people who are closest to me who really get it are, get it. They, they understand that I'm firm about it. They wouldn't try to push it on me. My parents, my husband, uh, my children, but um, the people out there in the world, yes, absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I just have to stand firm on what I believe. And um, I liked the way the previous speaker described 
um, what she would say to somebody and that it didn't agree with her, that she was allergic to sugar. I mean, I can imagine a lot of follow-up questions, and I'm not really at the point where I want to discuss OA with, you know, with every um, stranger out there. Um, but, uh, you know, if they did really push and I felt that they had a personal reason that they could benefit from it, then I would. Um, and I like the fact that they talk about how, you know, when you were drinking, you were withdrawing from life little by little. Now you're getting back into the social life of this world. Don't start to withdraw again just because your friends drink liquor. Um, when I was in the food, I absolutely withdrew. Um, I even withdrew from OA for a while, and my life was a very lonely, dark place, and I don't want to go back there. And today, the gift of this program is that I don't have to be alone. You know, I can go anywhere, and I can enjoy the experience, and I can focus on the people, something that I could never do before. It used to be that if the food was in the room, that's all I could focus on. And, you know, if I was making conversation, it was with half my mind while the other half was obsessed with the food. But today, I can actually pay attention to what people are telling me. And, um, you know, I'm aware the food is there, but it's it doesn't call to me. And that is such a gift. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you so much, Carolyn S. Mary H., you're next. This is Mary H. Is it my turn, Melanie? It is. Hi, good morning. Oh, good morning. I uh, was unmuting, so I was... I was in my mental blank spot for a little while there, not knowing what was mm-hmm. going on. I am Mary H., a recovered compulsive overeater from Northern California, and I wanted to focus on the word long face and also that very end that God will keep you unharmed. And I, long face to me, when I have a long face, I'm feeling self-pity. I'm just, oh, boy, do I know that emotion well, just that self-pity, like, you know, why me? You know, why is this? Everything is hard, and I have no solution. And I have an example. I was, um, I've been recovered now for uh, over two years. Um, thank you, God, and this fellowship. And But I still have an alcoholic mind. We were just reading about that last night in our face-to-face meeting, my, uh, I still have a sickness, even though I'm not picking up the food. And we went to a party last weekend, and on the way there, I was feeling, I had a bit of a long face. And my husband asked me what's going on, and I just kind of let it rip, and it was all self-absorbed thought. And I said, you know, I don't know anybody at this party, and I don't I want to be at home or and I'm, uh, I feel less than, all these people have more than me, and it's just all this crap. And he goes, oh, well, let's go home. And I thought, no, 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 no. I said, I am so sorry, honey. I just, that's a, just a bunch of crap I'm thinking, and I want to go. And I just sat and I prayed, because that's the other part of this. God will keep me unharmed. As long as I am unharmed in that I won't have those kind of thoughts, those ugly feelings and thoughts. And and then I just prayed and I said, God, please remove those ugly, self-absorbed thoughts of self-pity and direct me to how I can be of maximum service to you and to these fellows at this party. And um, just 
please help me. I am a sick puppy. And um, boy, I did not have those tools a long time ago, not even a long time ago. I, I didn't have that way of resolving those kind of thoughts. And of course, I would eat. I'd be at that party and I'd be like, I am so uncomfortable. I am so less than. I am so not worthy. I am just going to eat whatever they have. And that's not what happened. I was there. I was uncomfortable, but I just kept praying and saying, God, please help me direct my thoughts. And uh, and I looked around and like what I really got a lot of joy out of was seeing other people having a wonderful time. And I was there with that. And just being having being able to have that mind that saw the gratitude and uh, it was a really beautiful party and that's a really good place for me to end so I will pass thank you thank you Mary H Marie J you're next hi thanks Melanie this is Marie J recovered in Colorado and uh, I love, I want to focus on the second paragraph. I just love, don't hesitate to go where I can be useful and go to sorted places. And, you know, I don't go to sorted places in my little Mayberry RFD in Colorado. Um, It's just not uh, what happens here. And I also don't think it really is what happens so much in food addiction because there's so much social acceptance around it. But I think that this can also apply to sponsoring. And... When I'm asked to sponsor, whether it feels like a chummy relationship, I, I don't have to like you, you know. I don't have to have this big connection in order to sponsor. What I need is I need to be useful and I need to be of service. And I've had sponsors that I don't click with, and, and that's not them. It's me, you know. It's me because I have to do the work because my ego can get in the way of sponsoring and I have some expectations that can come up about how things are supposed to go or how a sponsee is supposed to be and that's my work to do and that's working on my character defects. So I have to be willing to not hesitate to go and be useful wherever God calls me regardless of my feelings. And when my stuff comes up, my character defects of self come up, I can humbly ask God first to accept me, all my good and bad, as it says in the seven-step prayer, and then I can ask God to humbly, humbly ask God to um, remove my shortcomings, which all revolve around myself and my ego and my wanting what I want because I want to sponsor you, but I don't want to sponsor you. You know, I got to get out of that ego-driven place and just be useful. I need to be useful and do God's work. So keeping on the firing, firing line, it says, says in that last uh, sentence, keeping on the firing, firing line with this motive, doing God's will regardless of my feelings and showing up. You know, every time I get on a sponsee call, I just say, God, make me useful. You know, this means, my, means that my needs and my instincts need to be set aside and that that's my work every day, to allow God to eliminate my self-centeredness so I can be useful wherever I'm needed, not wherever I want to be needed. And so regardless of my feelings um, and regardless of my motives, I need to keep this motive of doing God's will and being useful and being of service, and God will keep me unharmed. Thanks. I pass. 
Thank you, Marie J. Jody EQ, you're next. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you, everybody. This is Jody EQ, gratefully recovered in California, back in California. So this, these are really important paragraphs, I believe. What this is telling me is that when I become abstinent, it's not just about being abstinent and guarding that at all costs. That's being a dry drunk, what's known as a dry drunk. And I'm sorry to say that I was a dry drunk for a lot of years in this program. And um, my husband used to say, you know, whether you're abstinent or not, you're no fun. And, and you're, you know, I don't see any difference. But that's the difference between being recovered and simply being abstinent, stark raving abstinent. He used to like to go to bakeries and coffee shops, and um, I was not that eager to go with him um, because I wasn't recovered. If I had been recovered, it wouldn't have been a problem. Um, and I would sometimes sit there with a long face like, oh, I don't want to be here. Um, instead of focusing on the fact that I was with him and I was accompanying him. And that had a lot to do with why uh, he wanted out of the marriage. So, um, you know, don't let your disease and your recovery um, make your world smaller. It should make your world bigger. It should make my, I'm going to speak for myself, it is making my world bigger now. I can go to a bakery or a restaurant with friends and get a cup of tea if it's a bakery or um, an abstinent meal if it's a restaurant or a party or whatever. And I can be present and focus, as everyone has been saying, on connecting with people. That's what it's about, connecting with people. You know, uh, in OA, uh, we rarely eat together, and that's why conventions are so great, because we eat together for, for change. In my face-to-face meetings, almost no one goes out after a meeting for fellowship because it's like we're afraid to eat together. We shouldn't be afraid to eat together. And we can eat together happily and have fellowship after a meeting, uh, like people do in AA and Al-Anon and uh, we can do that, too, when we're recovered. Not a problem. So um, these are really great paragraphs, and I love that last line. Keep on the firing line of life with these motives of helping others, and God will keep you unharmed. Boy, that is so true in every area of my life today, and I am so grateful for this uh, big book, this meeting and this program. Thank you so much, everybody. I pass. Thank you, Jody EQ, and good morning again to everyone. We are in the middle of the big book here, studying on page 102, paragraphs 1 and 2, if you'd like to get prepared to focus your experience of those directions in your life. We'll be opening up the lines again here in a moment. Chrissy G., you're next, and that'll be followed by, by Kathy, if you're the one that spoke up. Chrissy?
star one, Chrissy. Let's move to see if maybe I heard someone by the name of Kathy. Kathy, did you want to share today your experience on that paragraph, on those paragraphs? Well, that gives us an opportunity then to open up lines again for other folks that want to share their experience on the directions that we read today. Hi, Charles H. Hi, Charles. Robin B. Dale B. Harry M. I heard um, Charles, Robin, and Dale. No, Dale. I'm sorry, Dale. And who else then? Terry A. Allie M. Terry and Allie. Okay. Anyone else? Let's go with that line out. Great. I got you. I'm going to be talking on the phone for a few minutes here. If everyone could press star, if everyone who is calling Dixon, if you could press star. I'm going to be sharing on a meeting, so I'm not going to be able to talk to you at all. Dale, if you could press star one. Dale, if you could press star one, please. Charles H., Robin B., Dale D., Terry H. If you could mute for, can you just mute for a moment? Um, We're hearing you talk to somebody. If you could just mute star one, please. Charles H., Robin D., Dale D., Terry H., Allie M., and Barbara E. Thank you. Charles, go ahead. Thank you, Mel, for your service. Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater. You know, Gail, I love that, man, because that's just real. I- I've done that several times, um, and-, and that's good. And uh, I, uh, while at the convention, I was talking to a-, a lady where we were eating together, and it was just amazing that, you know, she said to me, um, you know, I'm not going to get on the line because of some reason. And and I was like, you're selfish. <laughs> you know, I said that because you, ha- you have something to give someone. You know, and, um, and, and I said that to a, you know, I must have talked to like 600 people. I'm talking about interactions one-on-one that weekend. And I was like, you know what, how come I never hear you on the line? Get on the line. You've got something to share for somebody. You know, it's not about us being... You know, I could be selfish and recovered. Oh, I'm not going there. Oh, I'm going to turn my nose up to what you eat. I don't care what you eat. I want to be there to support you. It doesn't matter what what what, what I'm eating. It's what what's eating me. And um, stay on the firing line. What's your motive? Are you there to be like, look at me, look, I eat green and you eat red. So what? I don't, I'm not a doctor. I'm just there to be supportive of um you know, my family and friends, I don't care what they eat. I don't care where it is because when you recovered, it don't matter. I don't care what people say about me. I don't care what, how they judge what I eat, how I look. You know, we need to be of maximum service to the people of God. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Charles. Robin, would you go next, please? Yes, thank you so much. This is Robin B. from Missouri, recovered um, anorectic bulimic compulsive eater by God's grace and for his glory. And um, I just love the, this reading today. Um, I, I do have neutrality around the food. I can remember when I first came into program, I was in a different 12-step food program, and, um, and I, I had abstinence um five years 
and I was so totally restless, irritable, and discontent. I was totally white knuckling it. I didn't. I hadn't worked the steps. I had been through a step book with that program, and I'm not here to to bash another program. I'm just saying that I didn't work through the steps. I was not recovered. I was abstinent. I was thin. Um, I wondered why I wasn't happy, um, and it was because I hadn't worked through the steps. And then I found vision, and um, everything is different. It is unreal. It is a miracle. It really is. And um, and I can go anywhere. And I have gone anywhere. I've went. I went this January on a mission trip clear around the globe. I went literally clear around the globe in seven different major airports and and countries and and came home abstinent and um it's unreal and and I'm not um I'm not worldly at all. I I'm from Missouri. I'm just a redneck. We we really are just rednecks, uh my family. And uh, I've never been to a restaurant where you call ahead and order your food or see what's on the menu. I, that's, I, I don't, I've never been to a fancy place like that. Um, my family uh, were McDonald's and um, Taco Bell, you know, and um, I can take my food with me because I'm not going to find my abstinent food there. And I can pack my um, my abstinent food weighed and measured and I can take it in there and my family can order and I can, I can pull out of my pretty little bag my food and sit there and eat and nobody ever says anything. And if they do, I will say, you know, I have allergies, but my family loves to eat here and I, you know, ordered a drink. So, um, and they don't, you know, they don't care. Um, I loved it when I first learned that um seriously i don't I don't want to be dishonest and um and when I would go to a dinner and and have all this other food um packed and and everything and people would and I would say, you know well, I just don't do this anymore um you know. well, if I can say and be honest that this is that I have an allergy. Um, I loved it when I when I learned that I could do that. That it really is an allergy of the body, and if, and if I just say that, people just they leave me alone, and um, and I love that. I'm not lying. If I'm sick, you know, I'm not bad trying to get good. I'm sick trying to get well, and um, I just love it. I just absolutely I'm in love with the program. Um, I've just been working program nonstop. Um, since I got home from the convention, and I'm just so grateful, and and I just thank everybody for listening and being here, and I will pass. Thank you, Robin B. Dale, it's your turn. Dale D. Star one, Dale. Let's move on then to Terry H. You're next. Hi, yes. Hi, everyone. My name is Terry H., a recovered compulsive overeater in North Carolina. Very grateful today. It is so beautiful in North Carolina today. 
Um, I like that sentence, um, the last sentence in the second paragraph we're reading, keep on the firing line of life. You know, when I, I told my sponsor early on in recovery that, you know, I want to experience everything in life, every adventure, every journey, everything in life. Because in my disease, I isolated. In my disease, I ran away. In my disease, you know, I pushed people away and places, and it prevented me from experience life on life's terms. I could not do that. I went to the foods. I, you know, binged, I purged, I restricted, became anorexic. And, you know, today I'm so grateful that I have these opportunities to experience life and recovery and see the green and the leaves and the trees and feel the breeze. You know, that is amazing to me. That is definitely a miracle that God has given me in recovery. You know, I want to go to the whoopee parties. I want to go to the dances. And I know, I know that I need to and remain spiritual fit and, and practice in my program. You know, I learned in, in early um, recovery also that, you know, I needed to protect my abstinence um, no matter what. And so when I'm irritable, discontent, and frustrated, and I have that long face, there are blocks between me and my higher power. And I have to do the work. I have to chop the wood and carry the water you know, every day to do the work to clear those blocks so that I can experience life on life's terms. You know, I'm going through a lot in my life right now um, with relationships. And, you know, it's, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. And, um, you know, I'm really having to work my program. But on one side of the coin, you know, those relation, I'm struggling in those relationships and working my program. But on the other side of the coin, I'm experiencing new relationships and friendships. And things are opening up in other areas for me. And so it's like, wow. You know, I can experience sadness and fear and experience joy and freedom all in the same day. What a miracle that is. I was so happy to um, spend time with people at the convention and uh, get to know other people like me and um, have meals together. We do have face-to-face meetings in my area, big book meetings, where you can bring your meal and have meals together. And it's just so nice. It's awesome. I wouldn't trade it for the world. You know, coming back from the convention, I ran out of foods that I brought. Thank goodness my co-journeyer, you know, we, we went to McDonald's and got a plain lettuce salad you know, and weighed it, and it met, you know, my food exchange, and I, you know, I was just so grateful for that, I didn't think about anything else at McDonald's, I just wanted the, the plain salad, and they accommodated me, I am so grateful for this life today, that I can cry, Time. be fearful, work my program, and stay focused on what life has given me, and what God is, is um, teaching me, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Terry H. And before I offer this to Ari, I'd like to give another shout-out for Dale B. Are you available, Dale B. Star One? Here I am. Thank you. Oh, hi. Hang on, Allie. We got Dale. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I apologize for being on a music before as well. Uh, this is Dale B., a recovered compulsive eater from Michigan. The, the line that, that just stood out for me this morning was, I am safe and protected. And that so reflects exactly what has been happening with me. When I let go of the food and I began working this program, then I 
began to really feel safe and protective in the world. And when I was in the food and in my disease, that's not how I felt at all. The world did not feel like a safe place. But a benefit of the spiritual awakening has been knowing that as I turn my my situations in life, um, my day, my next step over to the care of my higher power, then there I am, safe and protected. And how often was I worried about what was going to happen this afternoon, what was going to happen tomorrow, um, and then um, just feeling, uh, having that feeling that we talk about restless, irritable, disconnect, discontented. And I, disconnect is a good word because the reason that I felt that way was, for me, was because I wasn't connected with my higher power. So today I am. And today, when I had in this past week, my daughter was in peril. Uh, maybe life-threatening peril. And by the grace of God, I knew what the next step was. The next step was to pick up the phone. Sometimes in those times, I need another person to connect with, to for them to go with them, and both of us go to higher power for help. So I'm grateful today. I'm grateful for the meeting, for all of you that are here, for your recovery that you so generously share with me in the meetings and on phone calls. Um, thank you. Thank you, Dale B. Allie M., you're next, and you'll share that with Barbara B. about two and a half minutes each. Hey, thank you so much, Melanie. <clears throat> this is Allie M. in Bellingham, Washington. Please excuse my voice. I'm um, still recovering from our convention, but so grateful um, why sit with a long face? Um, try to increase the pleasure of those there um, if it's a happy occasion. Um, I can think of so many times when I was um, just abstinent or calling myself abstinent, and um, my boyfriend loves to dress up and take me out. That's one of the ways that he, you know, he loves to um, spend time with me. And we would go to a restaurant, and I would have temper tantrums, you know, and sit there and be so disturbed that I couldn't get what I needed or, you know, um, whatever it was, and I would just ruin it for him. So he learned that, you know, he had either catered to me or it was going to be a rough night. Um, But then it says, let your friends know they are not to change their habits on your account. Um, Now he has seen um, enough of, of my recovery that he knows um, he doesn't have to worry about restaurants and, and where we go. And um, he knows that, that he can make a reservation at a restaurant and have it be a surprise for me. And I don't even know where we're going to go and I can get what I need. Um, just uh, a couple weeks ago, we were going for a drive on the far end of town and he went, Oh my God, there's my favorite donut place. I haven't been there in years. And um, we were with some friends. We pulled over, we went in um, and I went into this big, bakery with um with them and it was you know the smell was like a slap in the face it was so sweet in there and um I sat with them I even bought the donuts for them and we had a really great time and I was so grateful um that my um you know God will keep me unharmed that I can do that service for them and not say oh I'm I'm gonna sit in the car you know um 
my new job is to be of maximum help, help, I'm sorry, maximum helpfulness rather than maximum selfishness. Um, step three, I had a new employer. Now I have a new job. Thank you so much for letting me share. I pop. Thank you, Allie. Barbara E., you'll wrap this part of the meeting up before we transition to next. You've got about two and a half minutes. Barbara E. Star one, Barbara. Would anyone else like to take that spot? It looks like it's about two minutes now. That will take us out to the next portion of our meeting. Star one, anyone want to take two minutes this morning? Courtney B. Good morning, Lorna. Oh, I'm sorry. I did hear Courtney first. Thanks, Anne-Marie. No problem. I'll listen. Courtney B., thank you so much. Good morning. I'm Courtney B. from Northern California. As I was reading this, I was struck by how God, this man has had that internal transformation. That as I work the steps, I get it too. It's an inner awareness, an inner peace and clarity of I have a God that's trustworthy. I know who I am. I'm at peace with my disease. I'm at peace with erupting an illness. And 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 so if I demand that all the light on the on the globe, all the roads be lit up before I venture out, how much easier just we get headlights on the car, which is the car of my being, be lit from within. Be lit from within and that's what I feel like these steps have given me. So when I go to a restaurant and I, I know what I can eat and what I can't. If when my sponsor is gone and she's not there to call, I know what I'm going to eat. I know my red foods. I'm at peace with this. This is the truth of my being. The deconstruction, the reconstruction of my inner, yes, it's so, it's just such a peaceful place to be. And I can always go in if things are getting a little uncomfortable in the situation, get to go inside and say, thank you, God. Truth of my being, yes. So with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Courtney Lee. Thank you so much for everybody that shared this morning. Perfect timing. And now I would like to end this meeting by saying a big thank you to everyone else that was on the meeting this morning that made this meeting possible and those beautiful shares today. We'll now close this portion of our meeting by reading from the big book on page 164, and we'll follow that with a serenity prayer. Robin B., please read A Vision for You, a book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, I will. Thank you so much. It's Robin B. from Missouri. A book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in the morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own health is in order. But obviously you can't transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And we were struggling with some of us we should grudge the road of hope and destiny. May God bless you and keep you. 